Hello, Cryptonauts, and welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. This is episode 463 on November 27th, Sunday. So we got those two cool uh, articles this week in Twitter and coins. Let's just get right into the news because you guys don't need to see our link tree. All right. This week in Crypto Twitter, Genesis is in the spotlight again, and that's what this whole episode is really much aimed at here. FTX shockwaves subside a little bit. Judging by the glass half-full price action this week, the worst, the damage from FTX's historic collapse may be behind us. But this being crypto, nothing is certain. This week, heads turned toward crypto prime broker Genesis, which recently suspended withdrawals on its lending side due to the fact that its derivatives business and a... a $17.5 million exposure to FTX. Crypto trader CryptoCred posted a timeline of Genesis statements about its FTX exposure over the last month. It goes to show the validity of the saying, watch what they do, not what they say. And let's get into that tweet here real quick. Genesis timeline, November 8th. No material credit, net credit exposure. That's a quote. November 9th, we lost $7 million. Number 10th, okay, we may have lost $175 million locked in FTX. <laughs> November 16th, about a week later, sorry, no withdrawals or new loans. Yeah, we have a lot of liquid cash, sorry. The next day, okay, we need a billion, one billion. And on the 21st, we'll go bankrupt without this money. <laughs> the news also affects the business of popular crypto exchange Gemini. Last week, warned of major delays for users looking to withdraw their cash from its earned product, which was in part serviced by the funds borrowed from Genesis. On Tuesday, Gemini tried to reassure its customers in this tweet here, the fifth of, uh, well, I guess it's one of five. Update for earned customers. We continue to work with Genesis Global Capital LLC, a.k.a. Genesis, the lending partner of Earn and its parent company, Digital Currency Group, Inc., DGC, CCG, pardon me, uh, to find a solution for users to redeem their funds. On an intangibility-related note, two projects on Cardano both tweeted on Thursday that they were shuttering operations for similarly uh, worded reasons. The first was privacy and scalability solutions. This from Orbis. Hey, all of them, unfortunately do to constrain funding and uncertain conditions, Orbis Labs is unable to continue building and the project has come to a halt. This is unfortunate given the amazing, amazing, amazing research and work that has been produced. Yeah, our funding source dried up. Sorry guys. The other was the all-in-one decentralized stablecoin ecosystem, Ardana, aka DeFi hub of Cardano. And that tweet reads, Hello, Ardana community. Fortunately, due to recent developments with regards to funding and project timeline uncertainty, the Ardana project has come to a halt. Our code will remain open source for builders to continue our work going forward as they wish. Yeah. It does suck when your funding dries up. I do know this feeling. So on the reserves end. One positive step for the industry comes after FTX is an increased interest in things like security, decentralization, and customer protections. This is what I think Bernie Sanders and Warren, uh, Elizabeth Warren have been talking about. Certain businesses actually did well both during and after the catastrophe, including self-custodying 
solutions like cold wallet manufacturers and decentralized exchanges. Hmm, I think this is pointing to something. Another thing consumers want from their centralized exchanges going forward is proof of reserve, something that I believe Tingping Zhao is working on, that CZ from Binance. And they certainly don't want to see much, too much of the exchange's funds being backed by tokens the exchange has created for itself, as was the case with FTX, its native token FTT. In light of this, KuCoin reserves are at the limits of acceptability, according to Block Research. And Block Research says KuCoin holds nearly one-fifth of its reserves in KCS, its own exchange token. Should this percentage start growing rapidly, it may become a cause for concern, just like how illiquid FTT formed the bulk of FTX's balance sheet. And you can see the little graph here. Jesse Powell, the former CEO of Kraken, another popular CEX or centralized exchange, laid down the law for transparent and secure reserves. In the first of his multi-thread tweet here, I said I was going to be more assertive with calling out problems. This is one of them. Proof of reserves audit requires cryptographic proof of client balances and wallet control. If you're going to start exchanging, please prove to us that you have the coins. That's my editorial there, and his, here's, here's his charting of what you should be doing. Two, proof of reserves audit must have one, that's the first item, sum of client abilities. Auditor must exclude negative balances. Two, user ver verifiable cryptographic proof that each account was included in that sum. And three, signatures proving that the custodian has control of the wallets. Yeah. I kind of wonder about all those people who lost money through hacks. Did they have proof or did they not care? Probably not. Probably the latter, but yeah. Okay, so proto-dank sharding. Ethereum's second most significant upgrade after its recent transition to proof-of-stake consensus mechanism was considered for inclusion on Thursday. According to this announcement by core developer Tim Baiko, which was shared on Twitter. I'm not going to read this. It's a very long tweet. Ethereum co-founder and inventor Vitalik Buterin called the proposal amazing progress and said ordinary users can expect massively lower fees going forward. What does that mean, Vitalik? I mean, massive isn't like pennies in U.S. dollars? Is that what we're talking about? Uh, he basically says this in the tweet. You can read it. Liam Horn, CEO of Ethereum Scaling Solutions Op Labs, unpack the proposal in a lengthy thread. He claims the improvement could lower fees on the network as much as 100x. Now, see, there's a good example. I wish, I wish uh, Vitalik had said that. I'm just going to read his tweet here. Ethereum Core's devs have a call coming up this Thursday to discuss EIP 4844 to be considered inclusion. This is a huge moment for the many teams this year and been working on EIP to production this year. Great. So at the bottom, he says game changer 100x. Elsewhere, on Tuesday, several people noted a worrying and gigantic discrepancy in the U.S. dollar-pegged stablecoin Tether, which is, what, the largest stablecoin as of right now? Let's have a look real quick here. What does CoinGecko tell us the largest by volume? Yep, Tether is still at $65 billion U.S. dollars as of right now, and the reading $28 billion current 24-hour volume. And the next after that is BNB. It's not actually the B, uh, Binance USD. It's just the, the Binance coin itself at $48 billion, so quite a little bit less there. But, you know, at $65 billion, that's still roughly two and a half times less than the value of Ethereum. So what is the deal here? What is Paul Amory going to tell us? Tether traded about 20% of the annual GDP in 
one night. <laughs> Annual world GDP, 20%. <laughs> Absolutely insane burst of tether trading volume last night, $13.76 trillion over 200x the entire cap of tether. What's going on? Yeah, okay. That's, that's a good point. The following day, famous Chinese crypto investor Shen, who founded Fabushi, uh, Fenbushi Capital in 2015, a company that describes itself as the first ever institutional crypto investor in Asia, announced that hackers had looted him of 42 million US dollars in crypto a fortnight before. Here's Boshin's tweet. A total of $42 million of crypto assets, including $38 million USDC, were stolen from my personal wallet, ending at 894 in the early morning of November 10th, Eastern Standard Time. The stolen assets are personal funds and do not affect the Fenbushi-related entities. Ah, still, that's a good chunk of change, dude. Central banks should hodl Bitcoin, according to a newspaper from Harvard. That's an article. I'm not going to read that. Disgraced former FTX CEO of Sam Bankman-Fried tweeted on Wednesday that he will be breaking his silence with journalist Andrew Ross Sorkin next week. And there's his tweet. Popular crypto influencer BitBoy flew out to the Bahamas to try to stalk, uh, I'm sorry, get an audience with Bankman-Fried. His journey was trending this week. Remember, he's that one that guy that did the slap lawsuit. Remember the slap lawsuit. That's what he did. He did nothing else. Just slap. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to go into this. Finally, enjoy this potential scandalous slip from Terry Duffy, CEO of the world's biggest financial derivatives exchange, CME Group. Quote, my regulator at the CFTC, I bribe, I mean asked, end quote. One of the funniest moments on cable in a long time. Not going to play this video. Let's move on to the coins. This week in coins, Bitcoin Ethereum stable has the worst of the FTX damage passed. That's what we're hoping for this week, right? Crypto prices were a mixed bag this week, but as of Saturday morning, only a couple of the top 20 by market cap are not in the green over the past seven days. That begs the question, have the brutal effects of the recent FTX disaster subsided? Bitcoin remains virtually unchanged since seven days ago. It's down by 0.3% from a week ago, as of the time of the writing of this article. According to CoinGecko data, and currently trades at 16.592, earlier this week it sank to 15.649, its lowest in level in two years. Ethereum fared about the same. The world's second favorite digital asset moved up 0.6% in the past week, currently up to 12.19 at the start of the weekend, and has inched up 2.5% in the past 24 hours. Last Monday, it slipped 7% as the attacker who drained FTX wallets dumped a significant portion of the stolen ETH for Bitcoin. Both market leaders recovered a little on Wednesday when the Reserve, Federal Reserve rather, released in the, that the U.S. Central Bank reportedly plans on making smaller interest rate hikes going forward. This signals the end of a cycle of hikes, three so far this year, each a basis of 75 points that were the steepest since 1994, roughly 37 years ago. 36? 38 years ago? Solana holders avoided another week of losses. Number 14 coin, formerly top 10, is no longer in freefall, having grown this week by 3.5%-ish uh, to about $14 on Tuesday Litecoin flipped Sol. Wow. 
I feel bad for Sol. Solana was heaviest hit by FTX's collapse among the leading cryptocurrency disgrace found FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried was one of Solana's earliest backers and also owned a large stash of Sol uh, rather yes through another crypto company uh, his backing company Alameda Research Sol was the second largest coin holding of the disgraced hedge fund Many cryptocurrencies posted small losses, but several enjoyed considerable rallies. Chainlink added almost 10% and trades for about 680. Litecoin added a whopping 20% and is currently worth roughly 75. And Binance Coin BNB grew 12% to 301, but it does tend to fluctuate a lot. Still, the good news for crypto fans may be short-lived. On Monday, crypto trading group CoinShares published a report that says institutional players are shorting crypto in record numbers. According to the report, short product influence inflows represent 75% of total inflows, the largest on record. In Genesis, Doomsayer's eyes were on crypto prime broker Genesis this week as possibly the next high-profile insolvency after FTX. Last week, the company suspended withdrawals on its lending side due to the fact that Genesis Derivatives business had lost $175 million exposure to FTX. The company then reported, uh, reportedly sought a $1 billion bailout that it didn't get. By last Monday, reports emerged that Genesis may be facing bankruptcy. A representative for the company told Decrypt at the time, we have no plans to file bankruptcy imminently. Our goal is to resolve the situation consensually without the need for any bankruptcy filing. Genesis continues to have constructive conversations with its creditors. The news also affected the business of the popular exchange, Gemini, and we've already spoken about this in the other article. So that same day, GCG... Okay, but let's just move on. But yeah, nevertheless, things... Things are looking down for everyone that was in deep with FTX. So there's a couple of things here. I'm going to go over this general. This is by Daniel Roberts on Decrypt here is kind of a an editorial more than just in news articles. It's an opinion, but it's also things you could probably take away from. The five lessons from the stunning implosion of, SB, of Sam Bankman-Fried's FTX. So... The fallout of a false crypto idol. One of the biggest issues uh, apparently going on with this, and if you give me a moment to re-sign into my account, which apparently has been signed out, I will get back to this. All right, there we go. Um, the, the, the main issue in, this five, in these five lessons here is that <laughs> uh, it appears that the emperor has been shown to be wearing no clothes for the, I guess, third time in a row. Uh, they did it with Terra founder Do Kwan, and then uh, Suzu from Three Arrows Capital, and then again from uh, Alex Mashinsky. It appears that, and, and I guess this is the thing that I find most disconcerting when it comes to crypto, is the number of people who are inclined to just flat-out lie. They recognize that crypto may not live up to their expectations and rather than and maybe some let me let me just catch my say, statement and saying that it's not that people want to be liars maybe some of them do but that once you start seeing the money coming in in the billions like it was with Sam Bankman-Fried it's kind of hard to deny that you're actually doing something right 
Um, they did do a lot of bold moves, and investors tend to like bold moves, but they also like to see that their money is preserved. And it seemed like Sam Bankman-Fried was the savior. Yes, he was lying the whole time. And that is, of course, the problem. The problem with Bernie Madoff as well. But once you start getting yourself into a real Ponzi scheme, you can't get out of it unless you want it to all come crashing down. Second point. Uh, this is kind of the end of the Cheng Ping Zhao and Sam Bankman-Fried rivalry. Uh Cheng Ping Zhao, CZ of Binance, has, uh, was kind of thinking, you know, there's this rivalry. They did initially invest to get um, FTX off the ground in exchange for a gargantuan number of FTT tokens, which, of course, was probably not a wholly bad thing in the very beginning, but because Sam Bankman-Fried just didn't make any good decisions, even though it's kind of like The Apprentice taking over the master's role, but, and I'm not saying Cheng Ping Zhao is an idiot, he's not, uh, but Sam Bankman Freed kind of usurped his, his rivalry. It's kind of like, oh yeah, well, I'm just going to do better than you. It's like, eh, take it slow, dude, you could trip. And that's exactly what happened. So, even though Sam Bankman Freed was growing his company by leaps and bounds, he didn't really seem to be managing it correctly. And I, we'll find more, more about this as details, if they come out at all, about what has actually been going on or what was going on. A lot of people say it was there was no management whatsoever. So the third thing that comes of this, and I think this ties to the idea of the ultimate thing, the last thing that we learn from this issue, <laughs> is that DeFi survived. And... If you listen to this show, you probably are quite well aware that we've been saying this for the longest time, not your keys, not your crypto. A lot of people do say that. Uh, but DeFi operates of its own accord. It's not a centralized unit, and it it can't exist. I shouldn't say that's entirely true, but it mostly can't exist without real numbers behind it uh, because it's automated, right? So when people put money in, so if you want to support a pool... Or is it not a pool or a farm? I think it's a farm. If you want to support a farm, you have to put two coins together for some level of liquidity. And in the very, very beginning, in order to incentivize that liquidity, the interest is exceptionally high. With the very, very beginning of Uniswap or cake, uh, pancake swap, I remember interest rates being as high as 1,000% APR. That's ridiculous. But it's only because they're trying to foster new liquidity. And as that liquidity softens, uh, more and more people join, the, the interest rate will go down to something a little bit more reasonable. Uh, it could still be a, you know high hundreds or low hundreds, you know, maybe 80%, 90%. That's still somewhat possible. It depends on how much money is pouring into the project. But because it, it's not what a person does with the money, it's what the system does with the money, then the system is just programmed to just act. It's not dependent upon whether or not the system wants a $40 million mansion in the Bahamas. So DeFi survived. Uh, and for the fourth thing, crypto exchange, centralized crypto exchanges are not dead. There's, there's, there's got to be hundreds of them still out there. I know I personally use them. The one example I keep thinking of is Hotbit. Hotbit got hacked. They were offline for two and a half weeks. They came back on and they were fine again. Um, you have to put in some kind of restrictions. It, it, it is annoying to me with particular... Uh, like the withdrawal fees 
you can deposit all you like, but if you don't put a minimum with withdrawal in, they're not going to let you have your money back, which is pretty annoying when you're only dealing with tens or twenties of dollars. Um, hundreds, thousands of dollars, they're, they're not going to care. But it, it guarantees that the riffraff is kept out. Like, they're not doing transactions that they can't afford. They're doing transactions with a minimum requirement. And so the problem, of course, still stands that DeFi is challenging for the novice user, whereas uh, centralized exchanges do make it quite simple, even if they're lying. And lastly, this is good news. All of this is very good news for the industry, and even though it sounds negative to most people who are mocking now crypto and crypto people, people who invest in crypto because they did such a dumb thing, uh, the, the point here, and I'm going to read it straight out because it's, I am one of these people. Optimists have called the FTX collapse a net positive for crypto because it's another event that washes out backed actors and speculators. Crypto will emerge stronger. We just needed to weed out the, the crypto bros, and that's what we did. So, editorial or not, this article I agree with. Thank you, Daniel Roberts, for your contribution to my podcast. All right, so we were talking about this recently. Binance launches a billion-dollar raise for crypto recovery fund that could buy FTX's assets. Uh, I think it's clear by the fact that... Uh, Chengping Zhao signed a letter of intent oh, two weeks ago now to attempt to buy out the uh, FTX assets and then realize that the financials were such a mess he didn't really want to mess with it or didn't really want to be involved. But I th with this $1 billion fund he's making up, the end goal seems to be the, hey, you know, um, we might want to take some of those assets off your hands at relatively low cost because it will help you pay off your debts. And it, it sounds like a mercy thing, but it's really more of a carpet-bagging thing. <laughs> but I think the end goal here is that Chengping Zhao is trying to say it's not just to buy out FTX. It's, yes, we could use a billion dollars to buy out some of his assets, but in the future we need to have more funds available to buy out when other people go under. And although I think that's a funny thing to say, I think it's a pretty common practice for industry standards. We may not have been so common in... Uh, in crypto until late, especially with Sam Bankman-Fried saying he would buy a whole bunch of different companies, even if he was lying about what the value was coming from, Jinping Zhao seems to be heading toward the appropriate macro-level uh, protections and, and regulations that the, the industry can use to regulate itself, rather than having some government do it. Because really, if we're looking at it being a decentralized entity in the first place, it should be a decentralized rule set. So... Uh, a couple more articles. One in particular here, authority in Turkey sees uh, FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried's assets. Apparently, FTX had founded an FTX Turkey, and, uh, well, they went in there and grabbed the, grabbed the money. Pretty simple, basic thing, just to make sure no AML was going on. I, I think they could probably find out that AML was going on. I don't know. The The article doesn't de define it. Thank you, Ad Andrew Asmikoff from Decrypt for writing that. And finally here, uh, several U.S. states opened investigation into the crypto lender Genesis, which we talked about earlier. According to Barron's, the investigation into Genesis is part of a broader probe into how connected many 
cryptocurrency companies are. And in fact, companies have violated state securities laws. On November 16th, Genesis suspended customer redemptions and new loan originations in its lending business, citing abnormal withdrawal requests after the FTX collapse. The bank run, I think everybody's aware of by now. November 21st, Genesis warned investors that it faces the possibility of bankruptcy. We talked about that too, if it can't raise any more capital. And then finally, Digital Currency Group sounded optimistic, saying that it, despite uh, owning, probably owing Genesis, a uh, little over half a billion dollars. So, uh, yeah, I think we said this in This Week in Coins that would not be surprising to almost anyone who's observing this that Genesis goes belly up in the next week, possibly Monday. We'll have to just see what they say when that time comes. So that's the news for this week. Thank you all for listening. Uh, I appreciate it. If you could give a thumbs up, that's how we talk to the YouTube algorithm. Or if you're walking, watching or listening in other formats, you can do the same. There's also like buttons for other uh, media formats. Uh, you can always check our links here in our coin tree. That's coin... T- C-O-I-N-T-R dot E-E slash C3media. And you can get all of our links for donation and all of our social media accounts for either watching our content or keeping in contact with us. We do have a pretty active Discord uh, server with lots of interactivity and lots of things, particularly NFTs. We are heavily involved in Raven and the new Evermore DeFi that's for Raven. Uh, there are plenty of other coins which we can talk about, and we, we always welcome your your uh, interests uh, on our channel. We are crypto agnostic. We do talk about a lot of particular coins, but we're all about the crypto, not about the scams. Never was a scam. Honestly, I'm not getting paid for this, so <laughs> I appreciate any, any thumbs up or uh, kudos you can send my way, even real kudos. Uh, that's all we got for tonight. Stack, sats, and hodl. Adios.